Hello, and welcome to the Gravel Ride Podcast. I'm your host, Craig Dalton. This week's podcast is brought to you by our friends at Bike Index. Unfortunately, during the COVID-19 crisis, Bike Index has seen a rise in bike theft. Bike Index is a free, nonprofit bicycle registration service and stolen bike recovery platform. The platform has helped recover over $10 million in stolen bicycles. Registration is completely free and takes just a couple minutes. So take a minute and head over to bikeindex.org and set up that free account. This week on the podcast, we've got the queen of pain herself, Rebecca Rush, joining us. I could have easily spent the entire hour speaking to Rebecca about her accolades as an endurance athlete, but what we really wanted to focus on was her marquee event, Rebecca's Private Idaho. RPI is a perennial favorite that's held in September in Idaho and showcases Rebecca's favorite trails in her neck of the woods. I got super excited hearing about the event. Given Rebecca's background as a mountain biker and adventure cyclist, she's put together a course that will test both your technical skills and choice of equipment. I love that kind of adventure in my events. We recorded this episode in the early days of the pandemic, so it's not quite clear if the event will come off this September, although we remain optimistic that it will happen. And if you've got one of the coveted spots, not to worry, as the team over there has a COVID-19 registration policy that's pretty liberal in terms of getting a refund, making your registration a donation, or pushing if the event needs to be postponed. Beyond just showcasing her hometown gravel, Rebecca really wanted to set up an event that did some good and supported her nonprofit, the Be Good Foundation. With the COVID-19 crisis in effect right now, she was also quite concerned that her biggest fundraising opportunity of the year was going to be shut down. So she went out in typical Rebecca fashion and did something about it. Rebecca, over Memorial Day weekend, created the Giddy Up Challenge. The event allowed riders to create their own challenges in their own neck of the woods, largely revolving around a big climbing day, with four courses culminating in Eversting, which is climbing over 29,000 feet in one attempt. Over 900 riders from around the world raised a combined $110,000 for the Be Good Foundation in their own climbing adventures. Not only did Rebecca inspire some amazing fundraising results, she also inspired a resurgence in Eversting. It's quite easy to say we saw more people attempt Eversting this weekend than ever before, with Katie Hall even setting a new Eversting record down near Bonnie Dune, California. And of course, Rebecca did an Everest attempt herself and successfully finished. It was quite amazing watching this unfold on her Instagram account. And I encourage you to go back and look at some of the stories as it's incredible how one has to turn themselves inside out and ride overnight in order to achieve 29,000 feet of climbing. I myself did the little baby one of 5,200 feet, and it was pretty amazing. I did it all off-road on my favorite climb up to East Peak of Mount Tam and uh, learned a lot. I can't even imagine doing four times the amount of climbing I did in a day. There would definitely be some logistics, uh, things you didn't think about, like how long it takes to go downhill to start your climb again. I didn't exactly choose the best loop. But enough about me. I'm super excited to welcome Rebecca Rush to this week's podcast. Rebecca, thanks for joining the show. 
Oh, it's awesome to be here. I'm stoked. Thanks. As is customary, even though you've got a well-documented history, I'd love to just hear how you got into gravel riding specifically. (laughs) It's kind of funny because I got into gravel um, kicking and screaming. I was forced into it. I'm a mountain biker. For those who don't know, I'm a mountain biker uh, at heart and rock climber and um, uh, had a sponsor that really wanted me to go to this race called the Dirty Kanza, um, and that was maybe 10 years ago, nine, 10 years ago. Um, and I didn't want to go, uh, mostly because 200 miles on a gravel road to me seemed like a death by boredom. And it was the first race that I used headphones and was kind of looking, the distance didn't scare me. It was more, I, I just wasn't intrigued by riding on roads, um, as a mountain biker. And I was really surprised when I went at how, unique and interesting and how gravel roads are really, you know, kind of the, this combination of the cool things about mountain biking and cool things about road and really were sort of a, a melting pot in a way where you needed technical skills to kind of maneuver the chunky gravel and you needed some road skills to sort of stay alive at the beginning and, and find a wheel if you could. But really it was, it trended a lot more towards the solo mountain bike things that I really gravitated to and, and really going to that event was the impetus for me to launch Rebecca's private Idaho. And I'd always wanted to launch an event, um, in my hometown because it's a really special place. I wanted to support my community, do some fundraising rides, but I always thought it was going to be a mountain bike stage race. Um, and it ended up, you know, once I got intrigued by gravel and the second event I did that year was an event called Levi's Grand Fondo, which is a road event. And again, a, a sponsor made me go. Um, and I was pleasantly surprised at the community that they built around that with a festival and a party and all sorts of things for everybody from, from kids to elite athletes. And so the combination of those two events in one year really inspired me to take you know, some of the best things I love about riding, which is, you know, being alone and, you know, out in the wilderness and and having a really kind of solo experience, but then also coming together as a group and a community at the end um, to really celebrate. And that really is kind of the flavor of, of what Rebecca's Private Idaho is about. And so, yeah, I was, I got involved as an athlete because my job, um, required it, but it really did sort of spawn this whole new, uh, facet of my riding in my career that opened a lot of doors for me. There's places in my hometown I've never ridden. So when I started exploring for a course for private Idaho, I was just like, well, I've never been here. I've never been here. And Idaho has a lot of dirt roads. So it's, uh, it's been a really fun, uh, multi-year experience for me. And I never could have imagined that I, you know, what I launched was a really big event. We're going into year eight now. Um, and I, I just did not expect even anyone would come, um, or that, you know, I was on the front end of this sort of gravel explosion. I had no idea. I was just presenting what seemed cool to me and a style of riding that seemed fun for me. And little did I know it was going to eight years later be, really kind of blowing up, um, in the cycling world. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things, and one of the reasons I was excited to talk to you today is I I share a mountain bike passion and a mountain bike background. And I think 
sort of anecdotally, it seems like a lot of people get drawn into gravel from the road side of the market, not necessarily the mountain bike. Mountain bikers, you know, we've all ridden those sections and experienced those high fives. You're like, why would I ever want to go on the road? Or why would I ever want to ride gravel? Like mountain biking is so fun. But as you noted, there's there's something different about the gravel bike. And it's not to take anything away from our shared continued love of the mountain bike. But the idea that you can explore a little bit further than your normal mountain bike loop and you can forgive yourself the notion like oh I might just ride on a road for a little while to get somewhere I definitely found myself getting out the Marin County map trail map and sort of just tracing out places I wanted to explore that I just never would have reached on my mountain bike totally I did the same thing like I've lived here for almost 20 years and I just started looking at maps and seeing like can I connect these dots and it was super exciting for me and I do feel like you touched on something that's really special about gravel is that it is exploratory and it is this feeling of like what's around the next corner and can I go a little further and you know I've been that kind of I've had that sort of spirit and mentality of explorations, even since I was a little kid, like I would camp in my backyard. I wanted to like see what was the next block over. And with all my sports that I've done, I just kind of wanted to see what was over the next hill. And cycling really has provided such a great template for that. Because like you said, you can just go further on a bike than you can walking, you know, and I love paddling and climbing and hiking and running but I can see more on a bike. And so it's that childlike curiosity in me that, you know, is alive and well. And the bike is such a good, a great tool for that. And I think that's one of the really cool things about the gravel event community is you're seeing event organizers all over the country basically take what you and I just described, that passion for their local community, that obsessing over maps and trying to figure out the best routes, and then saying, I finally nailed it come to Vermont, come to Kansas, come to Oklahoma. These are the roads you want to ride. So you don't have to think about it. Just get over here and I'm going to take you on the best tour possible for the next 100 or 200 miles. It's so cool. And I think that is where you touch on something. You know, I talked about how gravel is is really is kind of a coming together, a meeting place, um, a mixing pot of gravel or of road community and mountain bike community but the spirit to me and what you just described of like like going exploring check out this cool route this spirit to me it feels much much more like not to just when this is really because it's it's in the the road aspect you know steering meter you know catching that next person and getting on a wheel and not losing a wheel a wheel and you're you're so focused focused on staying in the draft that you're not looking at the sea all the time and think when roadies appreciate sort of the dirty, gritty, you know, different nature of gravel. Um, and I think that's why mountain bikers like it too, because, too, because it does feel it's dirt, you know, it's, you know, it's like the dirt 
dharma. It's like something isn't totally smooth underneath your tire. And, you know, as people come in and as gravel, gravel grow, grows, it's really, it's really important to me. Grassroots and gravel community maintain that grittiness of, call it that, and that gravel doesn't become just a cookie cutter of what didn't, didn't work on the road. And I know US, USA Cycling is looking at that kind of stuff and people, you know, you know the community is, is kind of like, what's going to happen with gravel? And I think, I think what's really cool as we have these discussions and we're in this sort of like, we're probably in the, in the golden age, you know, of, of gravel events right now as they're growing, they're popping up, people, people are loving them. But there's also the growing pains of pains of like, what is gravel? What's it going to become? And there is a, there is a uniqueness in every single, single event. And mine's more towards my personality as a mountain biker. And I'm going to try to make it as, as rough and technical and, and off-road road as possible. Um, where another, another event might trend more towards a road aspect, like, like I, Belgian waffle ride is a good example where there's a lot more pavement and it's not to say it's not a good, a good event, but it has a very different style and personality than, than, than what my event would. And, and I, I like that they're all different. I think that's really important, important to maintain that uniqueness. Yeah. I think that's great as, as we currently have a schedule or a calendar that allows athletes to kind of go wherever they want. And there's not like this, Oh, you have to do these five events in order to win some sort of calendar. Cause I think the danger there is, yeah, you want to have events that have multiple different personalities. I love the idea of an event testing everybody's skill set from raw horsepower to super, super technical terrain. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's why I launched the stage race in the way that I did the queen stage race, which has, you know, stage one is all unmotorized trail, uh, 50% single track. Um, and then stage two is a five mile uphill time trial, you know, which suits a totally the road, love that one. I've had some of the mountain bikers beg me to get rid of that stage. You know, it's like, no, I'm not getting rid of it. And then the third stage is, you know, the, the, the long course, the baked potato route, the hundred miler that has kind of a bit of everything. And so, so yeah, I, I, you know, try to offer up something for everything. And the, you know, the regular private Idaho course of one day, there's, you know, sections where, you know, the big hill climb at the beginning um, Trail Creek Summit is a, you know, more than thousand foot climb, and you know that really separates everybody. And then there's a couple smooth sections where if you do have a road and and pace lining skills, you can hop in with people. And then I, I throw them for a loop and get people off on a really rough double track that I call LD Oblito. It was a new five mile section this year, and that really split everybody up on the way back home. And some people loved it, some people hated it. <laughs> But yeah, I want to offer places on the course that suit a variety of different riders so that you may hate me on one part of the course, but you're going to love me on another part of the course. Yeah. I love that personally as an athlete. I love, I love when I hate my bike during one section saying like, Oh, I made it too off-roady on this road section. Like I, I feel like that's the mark of a good course designer. Yeah. Yeah, we're gonna we're here today really to talk about your event, Rebecca's Private Idaho. Can you just kind of break it down for everybody? What are the dates? Where is it located? You talked a little bit about why you started it, but I'd love to hear just a little bit more specifically about the event and what people can expect. 
Yeah, the event is Labor Day weekend. So this year that falls on September 3rd through 6th. And, you know, the main event is on Sunday of Labor Day. And that has everything. Now we've grown to a 20-mile tater tot route to the, you know, 60-ish mile um, French fry and the 100-mile baked potato route. And those are all on the Sunday of Labor Day weekend. I've also expanded um, to include the Queen's Stage Race, which is a three-day gravel stage race that takes place over four days. And really what I found is Ketchum, Idaho, Sun Valley, Idaho, where I live, my hometown, is where the event takes place. And it is off the beaten path. It's the reason I call it Rebecca's Private Idaho, um, because it is quiet and and intimate here. And, uh, it's a small town and it's hard to get to. And that's why I put it on Labor Day weekend. One is it's a beautiful time of the year here, but also to allow people that extra holiday to travel. Um, because once you get here, what I find is people don't come for one day, they come here and they want to stay a few extra days and they want to explore a little bit more. And that's why after about the fifth year of private Idaho, I launched the stage race because people kept asking me, Oh, this year we're going to come. We're going to stay a few more days. Where can I ride? Where can I ride next? And so I decided to just put that platter out for everybody to select from. And, you know, and there's a big parade that weekend. My goal was, was not just to host a bike event, but to really show people this special place to support my community, to support bike charities and eventually my foundation that I launched And so, and also I want my friends to stay a little longer. You know, we've all been to those bike races where you drive up in your car, you've got your gear, you, you know, unload, get dressed right at the back of your car, go do the race, load up your car and go home. Um, I didn't want that kind of experience. I I wanted, you know, a, a bigger sort of by end of the season bike celebration, and that's that's what it has grown to become. It's it's really cool. I really look forward to it. Um, but it, I, and I do try to, the reason we've launched different distances, um, and is to try to welcome everybody in. So the tater tot, for example, it's 20 miles, it's non-competitive and hopefully it's a stepping stone for people who have never tried gravel or, you know, parents and kids who want to ride. And then they step up to the French fry, then they step up to the baked potato. And I have a course in my head, 125 mile course that eventually I'll add when I can, uh, called the twice baked potato. So, <laughs> and, on, <laughs> and Rebecca on the tater tot, uh, route, is that sort of dirt roads that kind of, you know, anybody who's sort of comfortable riding a bike is likely to be able to achieve? Yeah, totally. It's about 50% pavement, 50% dirt. And you get a nice little taste of this cool road called Corral Creek where you ride out and you get a view of the Pioneer Mountains. And it is kind of like this little little teaser to, to one, show you that, hey, riding on gravel is just fine. And number two, to make you feel like you want to see what's over that next hill on the Pioneer Mountains. Cool. Nice. And then does the French fry get into any sort of dual track or single track? The French fry and the baked potato, they head out the same way. And so, um, you, you know, you climb the really big hill at the beginning um, up to Trail Creek Summit. And that's the, the same route that the wagons came over during the ore days, you know, where they were mining for ore um, across the hills. They come over that same hill. And much of that terrain, as you head up and over that hill, it's kind of the gateway into the Copper Basin, which is 
very remote, very few homes. It really looks the same as it did a hundred years ago. And it's the same route that the giant wagons traveled over. And that's the parade that we have is our wagon days parade. So it's pretty cool. Once you leave Ketchum, you know, you ride about 20 minutes on pavement. Uh, then you drop cell phone coverage, then you hit the dirt and you don't, get off the dirt until you return back to town. And so you really do, it is kind of a gateway for me into like going back in time and you leave the technology, you, you leave it all behind and, and climb up and over trail Creek summit, that first big climb, that's the biggest climb of the route, which, um, people are always kind of like, Oh my gosh, it's such a big climb. But what's really nice is it's pretty cold in the mornings in the mountains at that time of year. And so it does two things. It warms everybody up and it also really breaks apart the groups. And so it's nice if you're, you're nervous about riding in a big group or like me, you, you like to ride in smaller groups, the trail Creek Hill climb really does kind of separate everyone. So you end up with these nice pods of, you know, it might be a 1500 person start line, but almost immediately it doesn't feel like that because the hill kind of puts you where, you know, where you should be and people that are riding your speed and, and it, it instantly makes the community feel smaller. And that's the biggest climb of the day. So I always tell people once you're up and over that, you know, it's not the biggest challenge of the day, but it's definitely the biggest climb of the day that you get out of the way early. And, and how much, how much elevation are you gaining in that climb? Um, I think it's about 1200 feet. So, you know, you go from, you go from, you go from 58, 6,000 feet up to eight. No, it's, I have to look. I should know this number. <laughs> it's about, yeah, it's it's over a thousand feet of climbing, and so it's a nice big climb. Um, you know, I think fastest times are you know thirty five ish minutes up it. So, you know, up to twice as long as that. So so you get warmed up right away. You get nice and nice and sweaty and into the group, and then you really do drop into what feels like you're going back into time into the Copper Basin in that area. And both the tater tot and the um, or sorry, both the French fry and the baked potato go up and over and do the same beginning part of the course um, and share a lot of the same course. Cool. And then so so you're over that hill. Then what's next on the big the baked potato? Yeah, in the Copper Basin, um, you know, then you hit some nice, smooth, fast road for a while where the roadies will, will be enjoying that. Um, it's a pretty well-traveled road. But uh, then we hang a right um, over towards Wild Horse. It gets chunky again. And what's cool, the summit that you've climbed over for Trail Creek, you're, you're crossing um, – the pioneer mountains. And so the view from Ketchum, you see the pioneers from, you know, from the one side from the West, and then you cross over and you, you just get these beautiful views of this mountain range from the other side. And so you're completely on the other side of the range. It's very remote. Um, you'll see antelope, you'll see, uh, you know, probably more wildlife and definitely more bicycles than you will cars. Um, and it's all public land out there. There's a few ranches, um, but mostly it's public land. And so it's, it's really a, a special place. And there, I do, like I said, I do put people on a couple turnoffs that are nice and chunky. So wild horse, uh, Canyon is a Canyon that both courses go up, um, the French fry and the baked potato. And that gets real chunky and, you know, loose gravel and splits the Pelotons apart again. Um, and then that's the point where the French fry folks turn around and head home back to Ketchum. 
and the baked potato people continue on to Copper Basin Loop Road, which is, you know, you're along the, the Big Lost River um, for a while, which is really beautiful. And then you do the Copper Basin Loop. And that's the most remote loop. Um, it's a 23-mile loop. I think that's one of the hardest parts of the course because you're the furthest, furthest out. You have the longest stretch between rest stops. Um, and the road is is quite bumpy, can be quite windy. Um, but it's also, in my opinion, the most beautiful part of the course. And you really are rewarded with these stunning views of the mountains. So I try to get people to look up if they can back there. <laughs> Um, and then you have the long journey home, you know, at that point when you've finished Copper Basin, you've still got 30 miles, um, to get, to get back to catch them. And, you know, there is a very predictable headwind that happens every day. Um, you will have a headwind going home from private Idaho. Uh, it's just how it is. The slower you are, the stronger your headwind will be. So it's motivation to get yourself back up and over, up and over trail Creek, your last rest stop. And then one of the most beautiful descents in the world, um, over the climb that you came up in the morning, um, is back into Ketchum, um, down the trail Creek, uh, you know, hill climb and, and back to the Wood River Valley. And it, it's pretty special. I mean, I, I train on that hill all the time because it's really nice, awesome grade of a hill. I mean, I never used to see anybody like doing intervals or riding up and down that hill. And what's cool now is I see people all the time just out there and, uh, it's, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. And for those of you who haven't been to Idaho, I encourage you to go on Rebecca's site, the Rebecca Private Idaho site, and check out some of the images. They just look spectacular. I love it. It's pretty special. And that's the point. You know, we ride our bikes to challenge ourselves. And I'm all about being competitive and pushing myself and going hard. But we also ride our bikes to be with our tribe and then to be in a beautiful place. And it really is, you know people, place, and purpose. You know, those are kind of the things that, that drive me for, for private, private Idaho is the people that get to come here and be part of it and, and share this special place that I live. And then the purpose, which is, you know, as we talked about a little bit about the Be Good Foundation and helping other people ride bikes. Yeah. Yeah. So we talked about how you can pop in, you can do just the Sunday event, but you've, you've created this whole kind of four day ride experience. So if you're signing up for the whole shebang, I know we, we do a rider meeting on Wednesday, but tell us about Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Yeah. So Thursday's course, and I will say, you know, the stage race at this point, um, the queen stage race, it is sold out because it's only my permit only allows, um, 250 people. And so it's a much smaller offering. Um, as I can expand that, I will. And so for those of you who are bummed you're not in the stage race, um, I do have on on Saturday there's a ride. On Thursday we do a, a night – or Friday we do a night ride that is a um, – we're a dark sky preserve. And we're also um, – we have some history with Ernest Hemingway here who lived here. He wrote here and eventually um, took his life here. And so we do a dark sky reserve Hemingway ride um, to some of his haunts like his grave and the Hemingway Memorial and read some poetry. So even if you're not in the stage race, I do try to put in a whole bunch of rides that are open to anybody so that if you come here for a few days, um, you have something to do with us. And there's the parade. We have two different expos. 
So if you're not in the stage race, don't be all bummed out and sign up earlier next year. Um, but stage one is, um, and they're all different. This, the goal of this stage race was to show people, um, three very distinct different parts of the Wood River Valley. And so stage one is at the Galena, Galena Lodge trails. And that is mostly single track, um, mountain bike trails really, that are rideable on a gravel bike, <laughs> um, you know, you, and you do have to use the same bike for all three stages. You can change tires, but you know, you can't ride a mountain bike on stage one, a TT bike on stage two, for example. Um, and so stage one is a lot of single track, quite a bit of climbing. You're up at higher elevation, um, about 50% single track. And then the other 50% is a non-motorized trail. That is our cross country ski trail. Um, and sort of double track ish wide. Um, but that's the Harriman trail and that goes, um, up and down the entire Wood River Valley. And so you do a bunch of single track and then you drop onto the Harriman trail. Um, and that's a, about a 50 mile stage. Um, and I think winning times are about three hours, but it's, it's, it's cool because you're doing like whoop-de-doos and bermed corners and, you know, roots and rocks. Um, you know, it, on a mountain bike, it would feel like easy single track. Uh, but on a gravel bike, it, it gets pretty spicy. There's a lot of flat tires. There's, there's a lot to be, you know, said if, if you have the skill of a mountain biker, um, you're just going to be able to avoid flats a little better, be smoother, you know, and find the better line. So it, the mountain bikers really love that stage. <laughs> and I think for the gravel riders, what's cool is it really shows you where you can take your gravel bike. I have had so many people finish that stage who are like, oh my gosh, now this opens up a whole like menu for me at home. I didn't know I could take my gravel bike on that type of a riding. And that's, I really love that because it opens their mind to go explore where they live. And then stage two is, um, I stage two is probably my favorite stage because the race part of it is only five, four and a half miles, the uphill time trial, but the whole stage together is 50 miles because there's like a 20 mile neutral ride out to this very remote hill called dollar hide summit. Um, and then a neutral ride back. And so it's kind of the best, it's the best part because everybody's riding chill. They want to save their legs for the, their race segment, the time segment. And so for 20 miles, you're just riding and chatting with all my friends and all the pros are up there talking to each other. And it's super cool. Um, social ride with a really hard uphill time trial, um, and then a social ride home. And there's hot springs on the way back. You always see people who are like got into the hot springs and they're soaking there on the way back from their ride. And so it just feels really festive. Um, even though, you know, you're going to taste blood in your mouth on the uphill part of the time trial. Um, the rest of it is super fun and exciting. And, and I really love that stage. It's my favorite one. And then there's a rest day for the stage race folks. And that's Saturday. Um, and so that's the day of the parade. We have a big social ride. If people want to do that, that is free to anybody. Um, we have our welcome expo that happens with, you know, vendors and, you know, all that kind of good stuff. Um, so Saturday's a pretty fun social day. And then Sunday, you know, of course, is the big day with the, the baked potato, the French fry and the tater tot. And 
and 1500 people all lining up. And then, you know, when we finish, we have a, a giant expo with live music and, you know, shooting potato guns. And, you know, there's a, a game we had called Galande quaffing that is sort of like, you know, sliding beers into the air and trying to catch them and pour them on your face. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I mean, people take it seriously when, you know, they're, they're riding up trail Creek, but the idea is to celebrate when you come back. And, and we've had, um, I, we had a wedding at the finish line last year. That was pretty exciting. Um, there's a lot of cool stuff that goes on, uh, at the end. Yeah. It sounds like an amazing weekend. In addition to the amazing riding and event that you've put together, you're also focused on raising some money for your the Be Good Foundation, right? Yeah, exactly. And I'm, you know, Private Idaho has always been a fundraising ride, and I've always partnered with. Um, sorry, I can hear my dog barking. I'll <laughs> no pause worries. for a minute here. <laughs> That's Gracie. Um, so private Idaho has always been a fundraising ride since year number one. And my goal really was to give back to bike charities that I feel really strongly about. And I wanted to do that on a local national and global scale. And so locally we have combined, we have partnered with our Wood River Trails Coalition, which, you know, takes care of our trails here and our local, um, Idaho, Idaho High School Cycling League. So those are our, our local partners. Um, nationally, People for Bikes, which if you don't know, they do the hard work um, with uh, the government to uh, maintain transportation funding for bikes and pedestrian and you know non-motorized um, um, transportation support around you know around the U.S. and then globally, the World Bicycle Relief, which which helps provide bikes for people in Africa to make their lives easier to get to school, get to market. And so, from year number one, I, I've always partnered with those groups. Um, last year, I was able to officially launch my foundation called the Be Good Foundation, and the Be Good mission statement. You know, it was the impetus for it was the ride I did down the Ho Chi Minh Trail to to find the place where my dad's plane was shot down, and I came back from that ride realizing I could use my bike for a bigger purpose, and so. I launched the Be Good Foundation in his name. Be Good is how my dad signed all of the letters home from the Vietnam War that he wrote to us. And so I felt like he was giving me a message. And I was able to officially launch the foundation last year. And the mission statement really is to use the bike as a catalyst for empowerment, healing, evolution. And so I have kind of three main categories that I work under. One is clearing unexploded ordnance in Laos along the Ho Chi Minh Trail and the bombs that are still left there from the Vietnam War. And so every year I do a big fundraising ride over there and and do a lot of work to clear those bombs. Um, And second big mission is to provide bike access for people from Idaho to Africa. And that's where private Idaho falls in is putting bikes in more people's hands under their legs and, and, you know, whether they're using a bike in Africa to um, get to school or whether a kid is using a bike to, with the high school cycling league to find confidence and learn who they are or, you know, or you're riding with me um, in private Idaho. And so, so that's the second big mission. And then the third big mission of the Be Good is um, protecting public lands and the spaces where we want to all ride. And I, I honestly believe that 
nature is therapy for people. And if we don't protect these public spaces, um, you know, one, we don't have anywhere to ride our bikes, but I also feel like our sort of emotional health is really tied to open spaces. And so that's what the Be Good, <clears throat> excuse me, that's what the Be Good Foundation is about. And it's so cool to see how many people come together during private Idaho and, and year round, actually, people are realizing that you and me and a lot of us really do need that tool. It's a simple two wheeled machine, um, that really does do a lot more than just make us physically strong. Yeah, absolutely. I think in this time where this year where we've all experienced personal and municipal restrictions around our time and where we can go, it's become all the more important and all the more kind of valued when you're able to get out there and ride amongst all this turmoil in the world, you can just free yourself. As you said before, when you get over that first mountain pass and you just feel like you're in this remote area, it's so invigorating and revitalizing for your soul. Yes, it is. I know. (laughs) And it's like, it's hard as that hill is. It does. It's like an entry, you know, you work super hard physically to get up the top of Trail Creek and then you're just like, okay, you know, and you get this downhill and this breath of fresh air and like no buildings, no cell phone. And it is an entry into another place. Um, and hopefully people can mimic that in their backyard on their trainer indoors, you know, with some visualization. Um, but I do believe we all need to get to that sort of physical and emotional place on a pretty regular basis. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that we going back to the first part of our conversation, the gravel bike is this great enabler. I've always been surprised, you know, even in a, you know, 15 miles North of San Francisco, where I live, if I put a little bit of effort in, I can be riding completely by myself and see no one. And that is just such a gift. That's really, it is a gift. It's really special. Yeah. Well, Rebecca, thanks so much for giving us an overview of Rebecca's Private Idaho. I will put a link to the website and registration, and hopefully people can hustle over and still at least get a slot in the final day event. Yeah, there is space in the tater tot, the french fry, and the baked potato right now. So hopefully, um, yeah, people go in and sign up. And I really look forward to hosting you and everybody else in my hometown in September. Right on. Thanks, Rebecca. Absolutely. Be good. Big thanks to Rebecca for joining this week's podcast. Make sure to head over to RebeccasPrivateIdaho.com and check out some of the course details, some of the amazing images of the scenery, and just some of the good times it looks like they're thrown down during the event. So big thanks for joining us this week, and thanks to anybody who went to buymeacoffee.com slash thegravelride. I love hearing your feedback and commentary about what we're doing, and it really means a lot to learn that I've had an impact in some of your gear selection or some of the ways you think about riding or events in this gravel cycling scene. If you're unable to do that, please do consider leaving a rating or review or sharing this podcast. It really means a lot for this labor of love to get spread wider and wider. Until next time, be safe, and here's to finding some dirt under your wheels. <laughs>